0: Welcome to the Blister podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today's conversation is so good that it calls for four different introductions. And so introduction number one, When I had Angel Collinson on the podcast a while back, I asked her who else she thought I needed to talk with, and without missing a beat, she said, Rachel Burks, hands down. And now, after my conversation with Rachel, I 100% get it. Introduction number two. My conversation with today's guest is one of the most fun conversations I have ever had. Introduction number three. We all need to do everything we possibly can to be more like Rachel Burks. And introduction number four. Some people make you want to go skiing really, really badly. Rachel Burks is one of those people. Rachel is a big mountain skier who is known for skiing burly lines and her signature backflip, but she is also known for her boundless and infectious enthusiasm, and rest assured... Her enthusiasm is on full-on display in this conversation. Rachel and I pack a whole lot into this discussion, and it was incredibly fun to talk to her about not just skiing, but also our mutual love of Shakespeare, her being bribed with barbecue sandwiches to go skiing as a kid, her fantastic impression of Julian Carr, we talk about her competing in a comp at Crested Butte on rental skis, and we get into her abiding loves of sweatpants, Star Wars, fantasy novels, Red Bull Rampage, and more. Now, we've got one other note here. This conversation is going to begin in kind of a funny way because before Rachel and I started our official on the record conversation, she and I were discussing a few topics that I wanted to cover, and we had kind of an incredible moment of discovery that I want you all to hear. So we're going to open with this kind of pre-interview banter we had going and for just a bit of context, while we were setting up this conversation, Rachel had mentioned that she loves Shakespeare but that she isn't a Shakespeare train spotter and that's what you'll hear me responding to and opening up with in this conversation. And with that, let's get to my conversation with the one and only Rachel Burks. and fair warning, you might want to hang on to your hats. I don't care if it's a movie or a Netflix or, you know, whoever or wherever. But um, and Shakespeare, I definitely want to ask you about. And is, is that the proper use of you said I'm no train spotter with him? Yeah, that's not a, the right use of the term train spotter, is it?
1: Well, yeah, you know, like I feel like the train spotter is the person that can like immediately. They know all the facts, kind of like Rain Man. They can just Rain Man, like all the very all the facts about about a band or about a book or about an author about you know like they're like oh yeah you know like that band you know started in 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 london underground in 1942 and you know like i can't do that with shakespeare but i definitely read a lot of shakespeare so (laughs) there's that
0: you still do yeah because my confession is like i i studied shakespeare in school like went to oxford studied shakespeare and like you did yeah i did too shut up
1: Yeah, no, I didn't graduate. I mean, I spent my last, I was in North Oxford at St. Anne's. Where did you go?
0: Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Guess where I went?
1: St. Anne's. Yep. Get out of town. (laughs) No way. Do you know how close to Tom York that is? I ran into him twice.
0: (laughs) Uh, No.
1: (laughs) He lives in. Yeah, he lives in North Oxford as well. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. Wait, did you not love it? Yeah. What was your favorite part? Tell me your favorite part.
0: I actually would have to say my favorite part was London because what we would do is, right, we'd sit in class and then like any free chance I could get, I was taking the bus into London and just going to so many different performances of Shakespeare. And it was just monumental, just monumental at the Barbican, right? And so like I saw Othello three times you know? um, (laughs) Yeah. And like, I saw Lear twice and uh, the Tempest twice. And um, that was a, it was still, I think about those days. I mean, this was forever ago, but I I think about that stuff all the time. And just one of the, definitely one of the most interesting experiences in my life. One of the things I'm most grateful for. And the other thing I mostly remember about St. Anne's is we found this refrigerator that had a bunch of strong bow in it. Yeah, and yeah. we would just steal Strongbow from this fridge and finally after like wow. 3 straight weeks of just like two of us stealing Strongbow, they finally put a lock on the fridge. So that kind of ended that. But um
1: Dude, that's that's insane. I oh, wow. Well, I definitely drank Strongbow when I was down there, but I was so poor that <laughs> no well and the pound was yeah. just yep. atrocious. Yep. I mean, I'm like I'm I mean, like I'm not joking. Like I was eating. I mean, that was the poorest I've ever been. And th- traveling to London was definitely, for me, kind of out of the picture. But I yeah. just, like, there's a part of me that just sunk. Like, I had an absolutely, I mean, an untouchable experience and wouldn't have traded it for the world. But, like, there's this, like, crazy little phomophobia thing that just totally took over when you were explaining that. And it was just, I don't know, it was, I, I wish... That that was something that I had taken advantage of while I was there. And I'm really sad that I didn't. That's really sad.
0: Can I tell you my my poor story? Please. It was one of these nights because, yeah, like I didn't have money either. But like I was just like maxing out credit cards to get to these performances. And um, I that summer, the first summer there, I fell in love with this sandwich shop in London called Ponte's. And they made like this prawn sandwich and that was like my jam. And what I would do is like by the time class was out, I'd run into London, you know, see a different Shakespeare performance and then kind of hustle to catch the bus back to Oxford. And I would stop at Pawnee's, grab a sandwich, eat it on the bus. Well, one night back, I grab the Pawnee sandwich, I get on the bus Go to take a bite of the sandwich and I'm starving. Drop the thing on the floor of the bus, like open face drop the thing. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't eaten all day. And I was like, that was my, that, like, that was the food I was going to eat today. So I scraped it off the bus floor. And just ate the fucking sandwich.
1: Costanza. Yeah.
0: This was, this was, yeah, this was like a pretty dirty public London bus. Of
1: course it was. I mean, do you know how much like piss and vomit and, and throw up is all over that? I mean, like, I'm pretty sure I threw up on a bus sometime in London, you know? Like, I mean, that's brutal. I love how poor you were. That makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I you understand know, that. We,
0: we got by. We, we got I by. understand.
1: Yeah, I got by.
0: Um, well, that's amazing. Okay.
1: So let's, Sorry. Oh, I'm just transported. I am absolutely transported right now. I just started thinking about the cobblestones and I don't know. Uh oh, <laughs> the Bodleian. <laughs> the Bodleian, yeah. Yeah. Many good. My favorite my favorite part of Oxford by far is the fact that what was it, Sir Thomas Bodley, right? Yeah. He his his like royal decree that every book published on English soil must have a copy at that library. And yeah. so they obviously ran out of space and have catacombs, like, yeah. my, kilometers and kilometers of catacombs, you know, underneath where you're studying. You're literally, like, walking on books. Yeah. Like, like that is the, that's my, that is the coolest, oh, yeah, it's yeah. the coolest thing ever. Like, no, if we're,
0: if we're just talking about, like, coolest institutions in the world, like, the Bodleian oh, is up there.
1: It's so extraordinary. Yeah. And then our, the, you know, like, the Harry Potter library where you, you can put in your little,
0: a little
1: request for a book and then it goes and it disappears like when you're going through the bank you know (laughs) and then it arrives literally at your at your universe like at saint anne's like front door a few like a few days later because all the little trolls brought it up you know like (laughs) it's just oh it's amazing (laughs) so
0: okay of course that's how i thought this conversation was going to start (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> let's let's back this up and get a running start into what got you studying Shakespeare at Oxford. So first of all, where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. And um, I did not um, love, um, I didn't love English. I loved poetry. And when I was supposed to be reading Watership Down, I was memorizing Romeo and Juliet, you know, like... Like, you're quintessential, <laughs> lovesick teenager. But, like, then I went to college and studied Romeo and Juliet a million different times and just fell even more in love with it. I mean, I don't I don't care what anyone has to say about it. It's, you know. Anyway, so, um, I don't know. I, that, that was when I was, I mean, I don't know. That was, like, seventh grade, I think, was when I first... I still have that original copy, too. And, yeah, anyway, whatever. So, I, I got really into Shakespeare and kind of, I think, like... Well, actually, we did, we read... Like, Macbeth in fourth grade and Hamlet in fifth grade and whatever. Anyway, so I made it. I, I'd already decided I liked it, but I really, I don't know. I just, I love poetry. So poetry was always kind of my jam. And I didn't honestly read a lot of the things that I was supposed to read for all of my, for all, you know, for English class, you know, all the way through, like, AP English and such. Like, I did not read what I was supposed to. I was always, like, thumbing through Shakespeare you know, like, huh. or, or I don't know. Wordsworth, I was obsessed with Blake, you know? I don't know. I mean, now I, I and mean, then I went to college and I actually studied like more of like the New York School of Poetry and a little bit more modern stuff. But yeah, so it was basically like, it was poetry,
0: you know? You're growing up in Salt Lake. Yep. And you discover poetry. Like I bet I probably was told to read Shakespeare in fifth grade and I just was too dumbed. To... I, <laughs> I guarantee I, I, you know, I did not finish that assignment. Like this kind of, I caught the bug later. So props to you for being less dumb and less intellectually incurious than I was probably as a kid, but, um, that's not
1: necessarily true. I mean, there are witches, there's like people walking around. I mean, there's like ghosts and stuff like that. And I had teachers at a young age that like did a really good job of emphasizing the sensational, like, Ooh, we're going to make Shakespeare fun. So it isn't, doesn't have anything to do with, I mean, like, you being i mean like that stuff is boring if unless you make it kind of like, you know, got, gothic, woo, you know, like <laughs>
0: so anyway. Well, so I'm guessing you started skiing at a pretty young age.
1: I did. I started skiing um my dad would uh he, he actually he he moved the family to the mountains from the Midwest. So he and my mom are from the Midwest and he moved his mount his family to the mountains because he wanted them to grow up in the mountains and he decided that he wanted us to know how to ski and how to golf. (laughs) And
0: <laughs> wait,
1: because so, we could we could ski while we're we could ski while we're young. And then when dad's too old to ski with us, we can still golf with him. And so they, he just wanted to make sure we had family activities on the weekends that he could participate in until the end of time, you know, or the end of his foreseen, you know, walking days or whatever. So so he got us into golf. And mind you, I like I look back on that. I probably should have stuck with golf. I'd be making a lot more money you know, <laughs> if I had been good at it, at least. So but yeah, so. I'm not very good at golf, by the way, but I, yeah, so he got us into skiing, and uh, it was, it's kind of cool, because, like, he had just learned how to ski, basically, because he's from the Midwest, you know, he'd gone on a couple ski trips or whatever, you know what I mean, but he didn't really know how to ski very well, Um, he's an incredible athlete, so is my mom, neither one of them really knew how to ski, but it was kind of cool, because they were learning how to ski when we were, like, little beboppers, you know? So he'd take us out. We were full weekend warriors. You know, once a weekend definitely was enough. There's no way he was going to drag the whole family out. But it was was great. So I was a weekend warrior, and I used to drag my feet, be like, why can't I watch cartoons like normal people? You know, like, I seriously would drag my feet. And and dad would say, ski bus leaving, 6 a.m. You know, like, it would be like 6 a.m. He's like, ski bus leaving, 6.30. I'm like, dude. Dad, come on! This is ridiculous, you know. And sure enough, we'd be pushed out the door early, and we were gonna be there when the lift started spinning, and we were gonna ski pretty much till the end of the day, and then um, he would bribe us by taking us to the roundhouse at Solitude and buying us a barbecue beef sandwich. <laughs> that was our it was never let me tell you something it's never been hot cocoa in this family like it is it's not sweets it's like barbecue like (laughs) like like, sweetheart you can stop for hot cocoa and french fries we're like oh hell no i want the barbecue beef so literally (laughs) so we were i was bribed to learn how to ski with barbecue beef (laughs) (laughs) I never really thought of it that way. <laughs> okay, anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, so which came first, like a a love of skiing or a love of like reading poetry?
1: Oh, well, I mean, obviously poetry. I didn't turn, I didn't actually, so, so I was just a weekend warrior with my dad, you know, like uh, I didn't know I liked skiing. It was just like what we did like with the family, maybe, I don't know six six times seven seven maybe ten times a year if we're lucky you know what i mean and um and then uh i went to uh, fast forward uh went to college in dallas texas (laughs) because because it was the first place i got into and i just couldn't wait to get out of salt lake city so i got out of salt lake city went to dallas texas um and we're just gonna fast forward to me realizing i didn't want to be there and that i really missed the mountains so I left, um, SMU, Dallas, Texas, <laughs> go, go ponies. Um, not really, they're horrible. And then, um, went back to Salt Lake city. I actually told my dad that I was not going to go back to college and he called me a dropout for a little while, which was hilarious. And then, um, moved to Salt Lake city, didn't get a job at the ski fair for snowbird, <laughs> even though I wanted to work up in the mountain more than anything. Cause I missed the mountains, you know, like I really, really missed the mountains and, and everyone asked me if I snow skied when I was in Texas. And I realized like, oh, maybe it's cool that I actually do know how to snow ski. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's rad. You know, I do miss that. I miss the snow. I miss the mountains. And so I moved back and decided I wanted to get a job working at Snowbird. And I didn't get hired at the at the fair because it was a real hot year that year. <laughs> guess I guess I didn't really have much of a resume together. So I started working at a bank. I worked at Wells Fargo as a teller. And then um, my buddy called me up, and I swear this is, like, the most pivotal moment of my life, but he called me up. He's a buddy I went to high school with, and he asked his boss, because he knew I wanted a job at Snowbird so bad, and he asked his boss if they could fit in, like, just a part-time worker, and she's really cool, I promise. And and Joan Barrett, who has been at Snowbird now for over 25 years, I think she's actually close closer to 30, she took a chance on me and had me come up on... The uh, first of the year, it was like New Year's Day and in 2002 and do kind of an interview. And I went up there and she gave me a job and I started working at Snowbird on, yeah, like on January 2nd, 2002. And then I started skiing every day. And that's when like the real love of skiing took over. Like I just, I mean, I walked into that shop and I was wearing like, my dad, like, full-on, like, hand-me-down. Like, we went to, like, the ski grab at Gart Brothers out here, you know? I don't know if you've ever heard of Gart Brothers. It's not even existence anymore, but we, would like, just kind of do the, like, ski swap stuff, you know? And I had 27.5 boots, and that's what I had been skiing on, like, period. That's all I knew, you know? And I walked into the fives. shop. 27.5. seven five, And I walked into the shop, and everyone's like, damn, Burks, you got <laughs> some big feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was like, no, I don't. I, I'm like seven and a half. I'm like a totally normal human, you know? And they're like, well, we need to get you some boots that fit. So like, anyway, everything changed that, that year. And I started skiing every day. I got some boots that fit. I went out and skied with my buddy, Julian Carr, who's oh, yeah. still like, I went to high school with him. So, and he, yeah. And he was always like a little bit, he was two years older and way, 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 way cooler. And <laughs> <laughs> like way cool. Like he used to show up at high school wearing ski pants, the kids he had skipped school all day. Like he was so cool. I, I, I mean, I oh gosh. Anyway, so I I went skiing with him, and he said to me at the end of the day, and it was crazy because we got we went to Seven Eleven at the base of the canyon at the end of the day, and he opened the door for me, and he bought me a Gatorade. He's like, you know something, he's like, if you got some real gear, you'd actually be pretty good. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that like I don't know, like he he's like you could be pretty good. So I you know that's kind of like the year that everything changed for me. So I like yeah. Start skiing every day. Everyone told me, Rach, you should do a comp. I said, no way, stop making fun of me. And then the next, I watched the comp and I was like, I can do this. And so the next year I did the comp and I did all right. And and then it all kind of like, literally from there, things started. Like I'm dead serious. So
0: By the way, my, my favorite part of that entire story is your impersonation of Julian Carr.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll go all day. You, you
0: made him sound like he's like a. 300-pound defensive lineman or something. I was like, wow, <laughs> Julian doesn't sound at all like that.
1: Well, I am a very, like, loud, guttural human, okay. so... <laughs> okay. My impressions often...
0: <laughs> all right. the, the Rachel Burke's Julian impression. It's its own thing. Okay.
1: Yeah, but if you'd seen me do it, I would have stood up really straight. He has perfect yeah. posture.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Okay, Okay, we needed that visual.
1: Yeah. So anyway, Shakespeare came before um, skiing because I didn't really actually fall in love with skiing until like 2002. And then I did all right on with a well well yeah, I started competing and did all right and picked up a couple sponsors. Actually, guess what? My very first like what Okay, so my second comp ever was Crested Butte. Nice. Um, yeah, and I got and I, oh gosh, I have so many funny things to say about. It, it was Tell so me. great. It was a it was a sick year. So, and I didn't know, I mean, I'm like going into this I'm, I'm i was on demo skis I didn't have a ski sponsor I mean like I was literally on in demo bindings like <laughs> like, so, like I, I know nothing but I I'm no longer in 27.5 boots which is really nice I actually have boots to fit which is super cool but um it was a big snow year so um I was with Julian actually like Julian and I um picked a line on the I, I had to qualify and I I did well in the qualifier and Julian's like. Berks, dude, I think I'm trying. Uh, now you have me all like second guessing my Julian impression. <laughs> no, no, stick <laughs> he's with like, it. He's like, I think you won. I was like, yeah, right. And I, I I, won the qualifier, which is crazy. And then I went into the um, into the event. We did, uh, let's think it was body bag day one. And then we got to do hourglass day two. And then we went, um, it was a big enough year that they opened up a crazy zone in Crested Butte. And I ended up, I ended up getting third place. So that was like the biggest, that was like, honestly, like my best finish for like, Six years. <laughs> so I was stoked about that. And then the best part of the whole, well, the best part of the whole story is that I had so little, like I had no clue what was going on. And they said, everyone was like, hey, Rachel, I think you got third place. And I was like, oh, that's cool, you know. And in my head, I am I am not exaggerating one bit. I thought I was going to win like 50, 75 bucks, like win the money that I had put into the comp back. You know what I mean? I'm not joking. And so they're like in third place from Salt Lake City, Utah, Rachel Burks. And I walked up to the podium and they said winning (laughs) $2,400. And I literally got weak in the knees and like fell down, not fell down, but like had to put my hand I buckled, I buckled and I had to grab a table. I was like, oh my gosh, $2,400? Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, my bank account's never seen that before. I was working at Snowbird making, like, uh, it was making, like, my paychecks were, like, $325 every two weeks. I mean, like, I w- didn't know what to do with myself, you know? So, anyway, <laughs> it was amazing.
0: And that And, and that kind of puts you on the track. Yeah.
1: So I picked up some sponsors and then um started well again, Julian and Billy Poole were um very, very important in like well, they are important in talking about my ski career because they were my best friends. I was like I skied with them every day. I skied with Billy literally every day. Like and he would just and, and standing with Julian on top of a cliff, you know, and I'd watch them and they'd tell me what they were doing and what they were thinking and how they were calculating. And I learned how to hit some big errors. And, and then I was actually working construction with Billy <laughs> where we we we're working in Camus, And when we finished construction, um, we go to the like rec center out there. And, um, Session the 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 high dives, <laughs> and he's like, "Brock, you got you got to you got to do a backflip," you know. And I could do a backflip standing on the high dive, but then he's like, "No, no, no, that's not a backflip. Like a ski backflip, a gainer. You got to learn how to do a gainer." And so he taught me how to do a gainer on the on the high dive um, uh, at the rec center after working construction days, and uh, yeah, and that's how I learned how to do a backflip, and and that kind of helped me a lot with uh, some of the big stuff that I've been able to hit and go inverted on. So yeah.
0: yeah kind of a signature move of yours
1: yeah I'm a one-trick pony the the bird's back
0: foot Um, (laughs) we're gonna jump ahead you called this past ski season the best ski season of your life Mm -hmm. inherently that means I want to hear more
1: there's the best season of my life because I had more powder in and around the mouth than I've Ever had it in an entire
0: season. <laughs>
1: like, A, the snow was fantastic. B, I was living in Jackson Hole and shredding with my best friend every day. And she's a ripping snowboarder. And we just shredded pow all day, every day. In Jackson, I went on a a couple... I went on a my first ever free skiing, uh, cat skiing trip. My girlfriend turned 40 and she invited... She's just incredible and she... um rented an entire cat for New Year's for, to celebrate her 40th birthday. And she's like, this just, just fun. This is what, you know, like we're adults. This is what we're paying. We're doing this. And we went as like non-athlete. It was my first like non-athlete, full throttle, like all ripping skiers, cat skiing experience. And that was like, that was the, first day of the new year. I mean, that was the best way to start. I had already gotten pitted at in Jackson in December. Like It was just, it was amazing. And then it just built from there. I went down to Island Lake Lodge with um, outdoor research. We had fantastic snow there. It's kind of like the opposite of most of my ski years where I'm trying to put together a segment and every time I follow a storm and show up, either the pineapple express comes, they have a wind event or there's no sun and you can't film. And, or like the snow goes to shit, you know, or it, it, the entire mountain avalanches, you know, it was the exact opposite of that. Everywhere I went, it snowed. It was amazing. I had my own little flurry. I was a divining rod. I was like Olaf at the end of frozen. It was amazing. Like I had snow everywhere I went and then March hit, Spring skiing was stupid in Jackson. I've never had spring ski. When do you have spring sing- skiing in Jackson? It's always snowy in Jackson. So anyway, just got to get out and do some really cool things. The stability was there. Um, it was, we, you know, had a wonderful Billy Pool event, which was, was amazing. And then Jackson closed. I went home to Salt Lake, or I came back to Salt Lake City, which is where I am now. And I skied all of April, all of May, of. Of June And Shred, it finished my ski season with my father on the 4th of July up at Snowbird. And he had skied more days this season than he had ever skied in his entire life. And I finished my season with that. And that's um, including the best <laughs> Greenland trip imaginable. I mean, it was just untouchable. I, it was untouchable. It was every single day was Fantastic! I had no bad days. And I'm not just saying that. Like, there were just no days that were like, well, I think I'm going to go home. Every day it was like, oh, we can fit one more in. Let's do this. Oh, and then I went up to Beartooth Pass and had a sick time up at Beartooth Pass. It was amazing. I had a great season.
0: <laughs> you are making me really, really jonesing to ski. Yeah. I know,
1: me too, me too.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to hear about Greenland.
1: So Greenland was um, um, a big decision was made by Outdoor Research to take this trip. Um, We had we had two tentative sponsors, Outdoor Research being one of them and then another sponsor being another one. The other sponsor was unable um, to take part in their in 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 the event or in the in the trip. And so uh, (laughs) this was like. No joke. Three weeks before we're supposed to leave, literally, like, or or a month, one month before we're supposed to leave. Greenland's no easy. Let me tell you, getting to Greenland is harder than anything. It is really difficult to get to Greenland. (laughs) There are only four flights a week that leave from Copenhagen that go to Greenland, and then there are three flights from Reykjavik from Iceland. That's it. A week. A week. Like, this isn't a day. Like, anyway, getting to Greenland is really difficult. So we had um, sponsor pull out kind of last minute. And I started calling everyone I knew. I called, like, people that I knew at Warren Miller at outside TV. I called, I called, I mean, as many people as I could. I said, here, we already have the trip. Everything's already set. This is the number that we need. And you know what was amazing? I got so many, I got calls back from outside TV and Warren Miller. And they're like, "Burks, talk to me. Let's, we got to make this trip happen. And it was just, it was just, like, heartwarming, you know, like, big time, warm and fuzzies. I was so happy that that I got these calls back, you know, and then outdoor research ended up choosing to take the entire expedition, um, which was like just uh, Jessica and I didn't even know what to do. So it was Jessica Baker and I and our photographer was Joey Schuessler. And then we were on the Knut, which is um, a 50 foot sailboat that is, uh, it was. it's a racing boat that's been kind of re-engineered to be an Arctic sailing vessel. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, the year prior, um, Jessica uh, Baker, myself, and Hazel Birnbaum sailed from Hammerfest, Norway, to Svalbard. To Longyearbyen, Svalbard. I don't know if you are familiar oh, yeah. with that. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was the scariest, like... I'm not even going to talk about that. That was like type X fun. It was terrifying. I, I was, it was really scary. I'm not a sailor (laughs) and I also am not totally cool with polar bears. So it was kind of, it was really impressive. It was, uh, anyway, so after that ended, I was not so sure I wanted to get back on the sailboat. Um, however, of course, you know, a month goes by and I'm, we're already, Kind of thinking about what's the next adventure on this amazing little sailboat, you know? And so we decided on Greenland and uh flew to Manitsock, and um everything arrived, which never happens. And yeah. we literally pretty much got on the sailboat uh within 24 hours uh of arriving in Manitsock and sailed, took off, and we had um 14 days of sun. We skied 13 of the 14 days, and we did over 50,000 vertical feet. Like, it was an absolute – I mean, every day – we had to take a day off because we were so t- – we forced ourselves on a sunny day to take a day off because we were so crushed, and we knew that the, the next day would be really big. And we we're just like, we got we to gotta take a day off. Like, that never – Ever happens on a meet like on a on a trip because there's always there's weather we can't film we can't shoot today we've got issues like when we were in Svalbard it was I mean it was we were in an arctic crazy storm the entire three weeks we were there you know we barely saw the sun the sun doesn't set in Svalbard we, we saw the sun like four times it was insane and then we show up in Greenland and we had Bluebird all day, every day without with, with with the exception of just a little bit of a marine layer here and there and just crushed corn. Corn skiing for 13 days. <laughs> it was incredible. And the skiing was amazing. And we stayed safe and we were navigating glaciers. We got up onto the ice sheet. Like it was. Oh, and Greenland is just ma- it's magic. It is literally magic. I mean, you expect Little ethereal, like, you know, creatures to crawl out of one of these moving, you know, glaciers and dance with you when you're skiing down. I mean, it's just that magical. (laughs) So anyway, uh, which is great and is a great transition into what I'm now interested in reading. (laughs) I love it. Uh I yeah. So anyway, Greenland was amazing.
0: Well wait, what's the transition into what you're now interested in reading?
1: Well, I got I kind of I'm I'm into fantasy, like epic fantasy novels. Is
0: this new? Like yeah. the Greenland well, trip no, did not, this to you? No,
1: oh dude, not no, not Greenland. But I that's yeah, no. I so I commercial fished in Alaska for a few years and I decided I needed books that i could like they were substantial you know so i actually started reading um well whatever i i got into it then and then i've been into it ever since but i made myself i made a rule that i was only allowed one epic series a year <laughs> like, because I started dreaming in dragons like I like, literally I'm, I'm, I just kind of would remove I don't know, it's bad. I'd be driving and just completely spacing out. So I made myself I limited myself to one series a year and then I actually read a book that said or no, I was it wasn't a book. I was in a seminar and the guy said to everybody in the room he goes read. And I was like, okay, no problem, check. You know, and he's like, and read things that you love reading. And I was like, oh, maybe I should just get over my little rule and just read as much as I absolutely want to. So I have been annihilating fantasy series. <laughs> it's
0: fun. You're giving us the genre. I want. We need specifics.
1: Well, I mean, I start. I think what actually got me into it was Game of Thrones. Like I picked up Game of Thrones, and I, um, and I, and I loved it. And it ended, and I'm a little bit. <laughs> pissed off because i don't George think R. she's ever i think no. he, i think he's gonna die before he finishes i mean he's done writing i don't know man and i mean that don't get me wrong because this the, the series took took on a whole new element once they like made it past they, they started writing for television instead of writing for books and that was fantastic because it's it improved it, seasons one through three suck you know after that it was just fantastic but anyway so that was kind of what got me into that um i felt a little bit sad once that was over and then i started reading um I think I got into Brandon Sanderson, The Way of Kings. I read some Brent Weeks. I read um, some ones I didn't like. I didn't like um, The Name of the win. I didn't like Patrick Rothfuss or Gene Wolfe. So now I'm in um, Steven Erickson. I'm in the Malazan, the wow. Malazan series. Have you read yeah.
0: it? No. And so here's so here's <laughs> the thing. I like don't read fantasy stuff at I all don't. ever. I, I didn't used to, but I love it now. <laughs> so do you have... I'm almost afraid to ask this question, but, like, do you have the gateway drug fantasy novel for somebody who, like myself, would say maybe I kind of hate that genre? Like, it's not my thing?
1: Well, I mean, weren't you forced to read Tolkien? Did you hate Tolkien the first time you read it? Uh, You hated Tolkien and you went to St. Anne's.
0: (laughs) You I drank a lot at the Horse and dra- Jockey I know. for what that's worth. Uh, so I spent a lot of time oh where God. Tolkien drank, but uh, well, um, because it's
1: the closest pub to us.
0: Yeah, like, literally. Yeah, you know. Wow i I can't.
1: Don't I, worry. This is a This is a judge-free zone. Is it judge-free? zone. I mean, zone? you can ask me. You can ask me about. I mean, like there are things I'm not into. I get it.
0: I don't know that I. I don't think I ever finished any of the Tolkien. Stories to be honest with you. Fair now, now you're. I think your you know judge-free what, great, zone probably just shattered. But
1: no, no, it didn't at all. I mean, I, I mean, considering where you went to school, that's a little bit tragic. But you know, um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I good. The gateway drug is definitely the Game of Thrones. I mean,
0: okay, I did. Like, w- I watched all of them because I, <laughs> I, I broke, I broke my neck a couple years ago backcountry skiing, and so well, it got me to actually watch Game of Thrones. So there was that was the upside, uh. like you know, t- couch time. I had more couch time.
1: Did you like? Did you like watching them?
0: Yeah, um, I w- I was not mad when it was over though. I was ready to kind of be done. I, that last season was uh, not my. I
1: haven't, f- I haven't seen the last season.
0: Okay, it wasn't my favorite. I was like, we we can wrap this up. We can wrap this up. It'll be all right.
1: Well, let me tell you something. Um, he's actually a phenomenal writer, and Game of Thrones like is extro- it's it's really well written and the character <laughs> i love character development that takes literally like 3000 pages for you to make right. up your mind on i love that and so that for me is kind of fantasy because it you just i love i love being swayed and i love spending way too much time with a character and like working my way through their their idiosyncrasies and then them learning and growing and becoming hopefully great or or evil or whatever. I just love, I love the development. I love character development. Characters are just great. That's my thing. But if you don't like that, then don't, I mean, it's a long book and they go into lots of descriptions of dining and food and tastes and smells. And if you're not into that and you zone out, then it's a, it's, it's it's a commitment, but that's probably the gateway drug. Anyway.
0: Um, We've got, like, 15 minutes, and we're definitely just going to blow the rest of our time talking about, like, books and music and movies, so just heads up to everybody out there. Um,
1: <laughs> we just lost all viewership. I don't care.
0: Screw them. If you turn this off right now, you're an idiot, so um, you don't deserve to hear this conversation. Um, so uh, moving
1: on to Star Wars?
0: No. <laughs> 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 That's for a different conversation. Like, look, we've got limited time here, and so um, sweatpants. Nope. Well, sparkles? yeah, sweatpants. <laughs> yes. We. As I was, uh, one of the things I know about Rachel is that uh, if you ask about like some of her favorite things, you might get a ranked list that goes something like sweatpants, Star Wars, sparkles, and Shakespeare. And no, no, um, I
1: told you Shakespeare. Okay. But Shakespeare is barely is not technically on there. Technically, it's the big the three S's.
0: How much do you okay sweatpants? Explain.
1: I love sweatpants.
0: Any particular like any, any type roommate, brand? Any, any roommate, any roommate on no, the no, whole no, genre any
1: that I've ever had knows. Yeah, anyone that that I that I've ever lived with knows that I get home and I say it's sweatpants time. Like, <laughs> like
0: do you, do you have oh, a long-standing favorite or current favorite?
1: Yeah, peak performance sweatpants. As a matter of fact, when I rode for peak performance, um, there's a specific sweat that I loved so much that I still have. No joke. I have four in the package pairs of these sweatpants because... If they ever discontinue, I can't afford Peak Performance anymore because I don't ride for them. And I still have four pairs. And that includes one pair that I reserve for dress sweats occasions only that have only been worn a, few to- worn a few times and hung dry each time. Like, I am very serious about my sweatpants. So, yes, Peak Performance makes the best sweatpants on the planet. Wow. I love sweatpants. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> peak Performance makes the best sweatpants I Mm -hmm. love sweatpants. It sounds like you're like stumping now for like, this is like a- I
1: love sweatpants. So sweat, I don't know. I just, it's just the most comfortable. I just, so I basically, the reason I, no joke, the reason I fished, or one of the, it was high up on the reason or on the list of reasons was because I've always kind of said, well, I wonder if there's a profession out there that would be socially acceptable for me to go to work in sweatpants. And I was like, (laughs) huh. Fishing. Look at that. This is gonna be great. <laughs> oh, that didn't work out though. I, I don't think I could. <laughs> sweatpants are way too hot to fish in. <laughs> okay. All right. But anyway, yeah. Moving so like on.
0: The, moving down this list. Um, we're not gonna spend long on Star Wars. I feel like because if we That's this fine. feels like a can of worms, maybe we have a different, almost dedicated like conversation about Star Wars. But I do want to hear either. Your favorite of the Star Wars films, okay. or have you like I, ranked them? Yep.
1: Nope. I'll just I'll just do this. In like twenty seconds, the reason I love Star Wars so much is because I was very, very like my parents were very strict and I was not allowed to watch any rated PG 13 movies until I turned 13 or rated R movies, period. They were cut out. Like end a statement. I was raised on mu- musicals. I watched Singing in the Rain* and and *Gone with the Wind*, and that's what my mom would let me watch. Or *Gigi*, you know what I mean. And so the only thing that my brother and I were allowed to watch, that what wa- <laughs> that was within our you know restrictions for for ratings and whatnot was were start was *Star Wars*. Like that was our big like scary, awesome thing that we could do together and watch. And so we would watch *Star Wars*. um, from beginning to end, and my brother would sit on one side of the room, and I would sit on the other side of the room, all three, of the, well, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, and we'd watch them in order, and he'd stay on one side of the road, I was on the other side of the room, and we'd take notes and then try and stump each other with facts at the, at the, at the end of the day, and that was, like, how he and I were raised, was that was our thing, that was our, like, we were able to watch Star Wars. So it was very, very much so a part of my whole upbringing with Star Wars, you know. And then um, now that they're releasing new ones and whatnot, I always fly. Uh, my brother lives in Santa Barbara and he drives down to L.A. and I fly into L.A. every time a new Star Wars movie is released and we watch
0: together. Oh, that's a, I Yeah. Y- you you now have me. For <laughs> a minute you, I was like, are... yeah. And now no. I'm like, all right, I'm in. No, it was I'm, our I'm, thing. I'm back in yeah. on this. That's great. It was great. our thing.
1: Yeah. And I can tell you about sparkles too. That's, that's another, that's a similar story. I watched, I was again, Wizard of Oz was one of the only things I was allowed to watch as a kid. That was kind of like kind of scary, you know, and I fell in love with the Ruby Slippers and I got, um, Wizard of Oz complex, like Ruby Slippers complex. And I wanted a pair so bad. And I asked my mom when I was in, I think fourth grade, if I could have a pair of sparkly shoes and she said only if you save up for them. And so the fair, I saved up and saved up and saved up. And I actually spent, it took me a long time. I say, I think it was $68 and 93 cents. I think the price tag is still on them because I still own them. Um, I spent all my money on this pair of sparkly shoes and then I grew out of them before I could even wear, wear them, but I still have them. And to this day I've been trying to make up for that and I own like probably to the ceiling three different times, three different stacks, like pillars of boxed up sparkly shoes. I, I, I'm obsessed with them. I never get to wear them as, uh, as much as I'd like to, but I like anything like sparkly shoes are my thing. I love them and I love anything that sparkles. And the fact that it is actually in style right now, I am hoarding. I actually have, you can, you can t- my I have hundreds of pounds of sequined clothing. You can ask any of my friends. Literally hundreds. I know this because I flew with 50 pounds not very long. Actually, to, to North Carolina just a little while ago, I flew with 50 pounds of sparkles in one of my bags because it weighed at 50 pounds. And that was all sequins, costumes. So anyway, that's my other thing. <laughs>
0: but but you don't... I collect. You collect not so much wear.
1: No, I wear a lot of... Thi- yeah, you. if you talk to anybody that knows me, I'm usually wearing... Sparkly Like, some, like even last, like last, last night, I went, okay, October 31st. What do people do? Party, right? And dress up. And I love dressing up. And last, last night, I didn't dress up because I was at Rampage the week before, and I partied too hard. So, I went to the ballet with my mother last night, and then we went out on a sushi date, and I was wearing, of course, sparkly shoes. Like, black, lace-up, sparkly, like, Doc Martin-looking sparkle wow. shoes. That was my flair. But everything else, my, like, my you know, I was just dressed normal except for those, you know, so I... <laughs> not exist i usually have something sparkly on
0: (laughs) you just went to rampage yeah had you been been before
1: as my my ninth rampage
0: you've been to rampage nine times
1: nine times yeah i think i'm pretty sure it's nine it's seven I, i just sounded like rain man definitely definitely seven times um i i've been to rampage seven times with my brother and then i went two times without him so Pretty sure I'm at nine. So.
0: Why do but you... I know
1: for for sure it's eight. But but I think that there was a ninth year before that.
0: Anyway. What what keeps you coming back?
1: It's the most extraordinary display of savage athleticism on the planet. It's insane, and every year it gets better. And it is just being a part of it and having sweaty palms and knowing that there's things that those guys are hitting with metal between their legs and dirt in their landing, like board, like literally life. Threatening airs, and they are do I, I mean there are things that I wouldn't hit on my skis. It's just it's wild. They're they're so extraordinary, and it's so fun to go down to the desert, and ride bikes, and get all hyped up, and then watch people ride bikes. It's just great.
0: First <laughs> of all, bikes. I I totally agree with the like, I and in fact, speaking of Star Wars, this is kind of what I've always said is like, if you watch something on TV, right, like. We can literally watch anything on TV. You can watch Luke Skywalker have a lightsaber fight with his father. And so I sometimes think there's something about, and I always say this about Rampage, watching it on a monitor versus being there in person. Like on a monitor, I mean, I was terrified um, watching this last weekend. To to see that in person, I think it was the same thing for me, like, Watching Michael Jordan play in person in old Chicago Stadium versus yes. watching on a television, you're just like you remove that screen and it's like, nope, this is a hundred percent real. I feel like I just have a meltdown at Rampage.
1: It's borderline meltdown. It, I'm, I'm serious. Just the the sweaty palm. I keep looking down my palm. My, it is. It is. It is melt. It it's melty. <laughs> it's
0: melty. Yeah. It's, um,
1: you gotta go go next year it's so good I
0: know I'm going to I we just um, I have to be there next year yeah and uh, it was interesting actually the, Monday I had a conversation with um, Paul Basagodia who uh-huh. actually paralyzed himself at Rampage in 2015 yep. and um, yep. you and know Cam, had...
1: Cam, stayed, Cam stayed with him yeah I'm pretty sure at yep. The aer- yep that was that's gnarly and keep talking. This was, I was there. That was crazy.
0: And you know, Paul, amazing, amazing rider and had, you know, competed there multiple times. And we just had this conversation. He's like, dude, I landed, I got off my line by about a foot or two. And, um, I mean, it's just like, I, it's just like the most consequential thing. You know, and, and, and Paul was just back. Paul was there when you were there last weekend. And it was really interesting getting his, getting his take. And I asked him, you know, like when you're watching your friends drop in, how scared are you? You know, and, and he kind of talked through that and this was all very fresh for him. He'd literally just gotten back and, uh, it's, it's a remarkable event. I, I I'm with you. I mean, I, again, I don't know if I could handle it in person, um, I don't know if people should be doing it, but the people who are doing it—they're just this is absolutely next level amazing stuff. It's it's just mind blowing to me. So sounds like you're on that same page. And I I, I think I worry yep. if I did go once, I could never not go again.
1: Yeah. Well, the first, i mean, the first—the the only the only good rampage is a rampage where no one gets hurt.
0: Yeah. Period. And, and well, th- like
1: like hurt hurt. I mean, there I think there was a collarbone this year, and there's some, but like. Paul hurt, you
0: know? Yeah. It, that was. And you know, here's a couple other things I said to Paul, I was like, dude, I guarantee you took a hundred or 500 way worse looking crashes than you took it at Rampage that year. And he's like, yeah, a hundred percent. That's true. Like the crash itself didn't look that gnarly, you know? And so I think that sometimes in Paul's case, it's like, of course you're going to get wrecked at at a venue like rampage and yet he'd taken way harder crashes, not at rampage. Right. It's just luck of the draw, that kind of thing. And I think the other thing that was really interesting talking to Paul was like, he's like, these courses are actually safer now than they've ever been. Like the jumps are getting more dialed. The landings are getting more dialed. It's still wild gnarly, but he thinks these venues are, and he's like, I walked the course you know, he's like, things are getting dialed in a way. And so, and there weren't any serious injuries this year. Um, so, I don't know. It's, I, I just find it all amazing.
1: It is amazing. And the desert is amazing. Mm. Being down there is fantastic. But yeah, it's just scary.
0: In our last minutes, back to Shakespeare. You mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mentioned Romeo and Juliet. Do you have any other favorites? Ay, ay, ay. I like that this is the hardest question I've apparently asked you in this conversation.
1: Um, I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to, st- I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick to it. I mean, I'm going to just, just for simplicity. I mean, there are moments of favorite and in, in so many yeah. different plays, you know, but I mean, all in all, Romeo and Juliet has remained my favorite. So sorry to be boring, but that's right. I only have, I have like two minutes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Ride, ride and die with I'm Romeo her- and Juliet.
1: I know. I'm sorry. What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Is that a fair question? Two uh, minutes? Um, do you have a favorite soliloquy?
0: <laughs> well, I do. Mm, I, do really like, <laughs> I do really like, as flies to wanton boys, so are we to the gods. That's a line that, um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good one. But I'd say probably Lear. Yeah, okay. I'd probably have to go with Lear. If and I had you to. saw
1: Lear in um, London.
0: I did multiple times at the Bar-Bacon. multiple,
1: but yeah. Othello the most. Othello three
0: in person. Actually, I think I saw I saw Othello two or three, but The Tempest is what I saw the most. Actually, mm. um, anyway, yeah. Last minute, any other books, music, or movies slash things you've been watching, whether it's a movie or series or whatever
1: the i really liked uh, it's a netflix series called the oa really like huh.
0: that okay it's is
1: it really really good and then in light of halloween if you didn't see stranger things the new one was great <laughs> <laughs> okay it was just delightful um i i mean i don't know about me i mean music is Anything? I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm a Radiohead fan myself, so <laughs> still,
0: still <laughs> rocking Radiohead.
1: Oh yeah, no okay. Are you kidding me. Like Tom York's touring this summer. I'm gonna make it anyway. Yes. So lots of I don't know. And then um, let's think a book that I've read recently that isn't fantasy that I really liked that's more mainstream. <clears throat> you know what? I actually, my mom gave me a book and I read it and I rarely read her recommendations, but she gave me A Gentleman in Moscow and it was wonderful. Hmm. I don't know it. Well, it's like on the, it's like everyone's bestseller list. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know, like Boys in the Boat or, you know, Unbroken or whatever. You know, it's like the one that all of our parents are passing around, but (laughs) um, it was, it was, um, it was delightful.
0: Okay. Gentleman in Moscow. Listen, this has been fun.
1: <laughs> it has been. Thank you so much. <laughs> I don't even care if I'm late for work, screw. It.
0: <laughs> um listen, here's the deal. Maybe I'll see you and your brother at Rampage next year. Sounds great. You have you been back to Crested Butte since you podiumed?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, several times. I actually did a Warren Miller segment there oh. and then I did uh I've been to um Oh gosh. Uh the eleven experience twice now. Oh, sick. And yeah. oh yeah. And oh great people. Holy yep. cow. And then um yeah, just um been trying to make it out get out there in the summer and ride bikes. I yeah. just hear nothing but wonderful things about it and um it's just far enough, and our oh, and my little new shred sister Mary Boddington just she lives out there. I gotta go visit her. She's she's a badass.
0: <laughs> well, you now have multiple reasons to come back. Yes. Um, so you have a, a standing invitation to come visit us here in CB, and that would be a ton of fun. Um, sounds like either whether it's to ride bikes or ski. So uh, let's let's think about Fantastic. that one a bit. But um, this has been super fun, and uh, thanks for getting me very excited to go skiing again. And, yes,
1: uh, thank you so much for ta- this. Was so great. <laughs>
0: um, we I'm, will,
1: I'm, I'm sad it's ending. Yeah.
0: well, me too. Um, listen, that just means we'll we'll definitely do it again sometime. But uh, okay. yeah, thank you for the enthusiasm, the book recommendations, uh, the uh. the great Julian Carr impersonation. I mean this this day, ca- this conversation really had it all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, have a great day, and um, we'll chat soon.
0: Okay. Well, that is all for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Rachel for the tour de force of a conversation and for all of the book recommendations. And you can follow Rachel on Instagram at Rachel Burks, one word. I also want to thank Luke Alley for producing this episode. And I want to thank you for listening. If you are enjoying these conversations, we'd invite you to subscribe for free to The Blister Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd ask you to leave a nice little rating or review in iTunes, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. Thanks, everybody. Now, please take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.